when I get compliments from people being like, dude, that commercial you just made looks like it could be on TV. That is the most rewarding thing because that's what I'm trying to do. It's like, I'm trying to do what they're doing on Reds and Phantom cameras and, and robots and all these crazy things. I'm trying to do it on the Sony mirrorless camera. And we are back with another Black With No Cream podcast, the number one resource for content creators on earth. Every Monday, we share interviews and discussions with industry-leading creatives whose stories will inspire you to follow your passion. I'm your host, Ben Haggerty, and my goal is to provide you with the shortcuts, tips, and advice that'll take your career to the next level. You are now listening to episode 208, and today's guest is filmmaker Daniel Schiffer. We back. Yo, we took a few weeks off from recording our podcast episodes to completely revamp the show, and I'm excited as hell about it. I'm going to share more about that in a bit, but what I'm even more hyped about is who we have on the show today. Daniel Schiffer is a videographer and YouTuber who has created a platform of 1.4 million subscribers with over 64 million views. Daniel has been absolutely dominating the filmmaking space on YouTube, creating dynamic product commercials for his freelance clients while simultaneously sharing behind the scenes of his creative process. Over the past year, his channel has exploded for a unique handheld filming style coined Epic B-Roll, showing creators that it's possible to create commercial quality content with minimal resources. In this interview, some of the things that we discuss are the reasons why Daniel gravitated towards product videos early on as a way to advance his skills from home, the journey to 1 million YouTube subscribers, and the major videos along the way that sparked his growth in just under two years. The inspiration behind the handheld epic B-roll style and how Daniel has worked to evolve this technique utilizing seamless transitions and editing choices. The entire production process behind his viral pizza video and how he was able to create a TV quality commercial utilizing a Sony a7 III. sound design process and the method he uses to record intricate fully sounds for his videos and so much more. Daniel is a legend who has provided so much value to the creative community on YouTube and we are stoked to have him on the show. Sheesh! Welcome to the 2.0 experience of the podcast y'all. I hope you are enjoying it so far. Like I mentioned earlier, over the past three weeks, we went back to the drawing board and revamped our artwork, the intros, the music, messaging, and more. And we couldn't be more stoked to bring you guys a fresh take of this podcast. We also made some other big changes. I want to tell you about those right meow. First off, moving forward, we'll be releasing one episode per week on Monday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific. There will be two creator interviews and two morning roast episodes per month. Second, we will no longer be releasing a full video version of the podcast on YouTube. However, we have created a second YouTube channel called BWNC Podcast Highlights, where we'll be releasing some of the best clips from each episode. Definitely go subscribe to that and help us get that channel off the ground. And lastly, we've completely rebuilt our website and created a dedicated podcast archive. You can now search our past episodes by topic or creator type to find the episodes that most interest you. Moving forward, each episode will have a show notes page where you can learn more about the guests, find links to resources we cover, see a time code breakdown of topics, and more. If you want to find the show notes for this episode, you can go to bwnc.com slash 208 or click the link in the description. That's it for the changes, but there is one more thing. If you're a day one ride or die Black Window Cream podcast listener, or if the podcast has impacted you in any way, it would mean the world to me if you would go and pause this episode right now and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help us so much in growing this podcast and getting in front of creators out there who need to be a part of the Black Window Cream squad. 
So right now we are sitting at 228 reviews. My goal for the BWNC community is to get us to 500 within the next five weeks. So here's what we're going to do. At the end of each episode, we will pick one person who left a fire review and send them a free how to charge a client guide and a $100 Amazon gift card. So stay tuned at the end of this episode to hear the winner of week one you heard. All right, the time has come. Pour up a coffee, get ready to take some notes, and enjoy the best podcast ever created. Right, motherfucking now! Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Daniel Schiffer. We got air horns. We got air horns. I ain't, I ain't coming right. coming short That's on this first. one. <laughs> How you That's doing, a man? First for me, dude. I'm happy to be here. How are you? Yo, I'm just as happy, man. It's it's it seems that it's rare to catch you in podcast form. I, I've only found you on one others, was which is the boy Justin D show. Oh yeah, uh, big shout out. But I know you don't do podcasts often, so we really appreciate you doing this one for us. Appreciate you asking me, and this is going to be the second podcast I will have ever been on. Gang. <laughs> gang, gang, yeah, I'm super excited. No particular reason, really. I j- I'm just a busy guy, I think. You are a busy um, guy, and I'm stoked that we were able to lock it in because, I mean, yo, you and your growth over the last couple of years is like through the roof. It's I applaud you for it. You've you've crushed the whole YouTube space, the filmmaking space. You're coming up with really, really cool creative like content that people are just super inspired by, you know. And I think that the the proof is in the pudding like there's a reason why the channel growth for you has been so nuts um because there's a lot of young creators that find you very resourceful and that's why i'm stoked to have you on this podcast that's what we do is we talk about creator advice and tips and hear stories and things like that but i would Mm -hmm. love to hear like how do you summarize yourself as a creative that's what i'm curious It's always complicated because it always goes back to like being at the family dinner and you have to explain to your aunt what you do for a living (laughs) and uh, they just don't understand because it's it's a little bit out of the realm of what's a typical job. Right. Right, right, So if I had to kind of quantify what it is that I do, I'm a videographer in the midst of sort of transitioning more towards a production company. I aim to make branded content for companies. That's what I enjoy doing and what I like to do and want to continue doing. But at the same time, I've had this sort of side hustle of a YouTube channel where I take people along that journey of my growth, my progression as a videographer and all the behind the scenes ins and outs of what I've learned and just passing that on to the audience. And I guess it's one of those funny scenarios where the side hustle has gotten to a point where it's actually been more of a source of income and livelihood than my actual main job. <laughs> it's funny how that so works out. It's interesting. It is. And it, and what's cool is you just, you've built a cool platform to be able to educate creators through what you've learned. Like you're trying and you're testing, you're trying to come up with, you know, how, how you create content. And, and I think that's what people get out of it. It's just a, it's a cool way to, to see your take on, on creativity. And I think what's dope is that it really inspires a lot of creatives to understand that it's possible to do stuff maybe without having to live in a major city or without the confines of a massive production or a major budget. You make, mm-hmm. you, you'll you like, you know, there's so many videos that you've made, but you could go and work with some local company, like a small, small company and make their product look amazing. And I think that's what's really cool is that you can get paid to do that and flex that muscle that I don't think a lot of local uh, smaller creators are thinking of. Yeah, and I think a lot of that comes from, I remember this feeling early on in freelancing where if I didn't actually have 
a client shoot for some business lined up and I was at home, you know, sitting here with my camera being like, what am I going to film? What am I going to do? Like, I don't have content, whether it was wanting to make something for YouTube or a client project. I just was out of ideas and I didn't know what to do. So where all of what's going on right now kind of derived from was that frustration and being like, how can I create content without relying on other people? How could I make content by myself? Mm. A big thing for that is inanimate objects, products, because you don't necessarily have to uh, worry about having an actor or actress in your video. You could find any ordinary object around the house and I would just spend hours kind of practicing lighting techniques, editing techniques, different angles trying to figure out how to make something simple look good. Right. And when you're in that sort of frame of mind, if a small company comes to you and says they want a video, you're not going to be picky. You're going to be like, yeah, let's do it. I just want to make cool stuff. Yeah. I, I remember one of the first jobs I was able to do was uh, my homie had opened up a restaurant and they had this really cool new kitchen. And I thought it was the dopest thing in the world that I was able to hook like a GoPro to the spatula thing and catch yeah. like a burger flipping in the air. And I was like, oh my God. And that shook everybody in the town. Like anyone who watched that video was like, damn, what is this? Because mo most of it before it was just tripod locked off shots. So it was just like the most <laughs> yeah. boring commercial. And I was trying to try to come up with dynamic ways of creating it. I think that you've broken the, the ground on that and been able to show people what's possible, especially from like, yo, I literally am doing this handheld with my camera, like a DSLR, my hands, and just a couple shots that I've put in a list for yeah. and, and found <laughs> a way to crack the code, which is so dope. And yo, all this is, is cool to me because it spawns from you having come up like, having access to cameras and, and creating videos around skateboarding. And, and mm -hmm. I think our, our come-ups are very similar in that. Like a lot of <laughs> dudes are growing up shooting skateboarding videos. Oh yeah. Um, but do you feel like there was something around being able to capture energy in skateboarding and then trying to tr try to like almost emulate that in products? Like, cause your videos have high energy. It does translate in a weird way. I think the most overlooked part of filming skateboarding particularly with video, because if you take a photo of someone doing a trick, they didn't necessarily have to land the trick for the photo to look cool. That's true. But with skateboarding, if you're filming it, you have to get them landing. So you're now working as a team with the skater, trying over and over and over again, where sometimes you might film it perfectly, but they bailed the trick or they didn't land it clean and they wobbled or did something weird that they didn't like, so they want to redo it. Suddenly they land it perfectly, but you, you kind of head cut. You didn't get the angle exactly how you want, so you're just right. like constantly trying to find that like perfect balance of like the shot looks good and the trick looks good. Mm. Same kind of thing with products. And especially lately, I've been experimenting with more techniques like dropping stuff into a fish tank. And a lot of that is just timing and a lot of luck. And sometimes you go too much one way. Sometimes you go too much another way. Just getting that perfect balance in the middle, trial and error. Right. And, and what's also cool about the way you're filming and what you're filming is that you've been able to kind of allow yourself to take over creating from home. Like... To, to a degree, you could technically create a lot of the videos that you make from home or from a location that is maybe not packed with a bunch of people. I know, obviously, during this time, especially, it's hard to be around a lot of people or utilize utilize a big team to shoot them. But you've kind of cracked the code on being able to make things look really unique. Like if all you need is a fish tank, a dark room, some lights, and you're able to experiment. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when did that kind of happen for you where you started to really experiment with 
like everyday products and finding unique ways to like stylize them. It's hilarious, to, like in hindsight, to think this way because we obviously entered a global pandemic where we didn't have a choice. Mm -hmm. We had to make everything from home. And that in and of itself was kind of a business that took on a different course for those reasons. But despite all of that, I was getting into this even before that because I've always kind of aimed in my production side of the business and wanting to make videos for brands. My goal has always been, I don't want to be the guy with this massively expensive studio with expensive cameras, big crews where you're directing like 20 different people. You have a person doing lighting, a person doing audio, an editor, CGI, all of these different roles. I was just like, how can I minimize the cost and the amount of resources necessary, but get as close to the same result as possible? Hmm. And when I get compliments from people being like, dude, that commercial you just made looks like it could be on TV. That is the most rewarding thing because that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do what they're doing on Reds and Phantom cameras and, and robots and all these crazy things. I'm trying to do it on a Sony mirrorless camera. So that's where the idea sort of started was wanting to bridge that gap with, I guess, clients that don't have as large a budget for those television commercials, right. but they still want something close to that quality. Well, here I am able to offer it now. And you have other incredible people in the similar sort of space like Austin Paul, who, um, man, like he's really pushed this whole thing to a new level where I couldn't have even foreseen it going. I don't even remember what the first product video I made was, but I had done a few. I was doing a lot of food stuff. And then he came out with this popcorn commercial for Boom Chicka Pop and put it on his channel. And I found it and I was just like, my brain flipped upside down. I was like, whoa, the amount of creative things you can do at home is endless. Oh yeah. And with big shout out to Austin. Big shout out to Austin, who's a Black Widow Cream member. And that was what was cool is, mm -hmm. is I, he shared that out into our community and was like, yo, FYI, just came on this show with Daniel. I got featured in Daniel's video. It's so cool. Like I've looked up to Daniel forever and everyone in the community went nuts just because you already hold it down for that. And for someone who's a smaller creator to be able to be picked up by you, it's so rewarding. And for you to actually like kind of return it's like you're passing off a torch in a way. You've put him onto a new audience, but his creativity just sparks something for you, which is so cool mm -hmm. about collaboration. I love that. I think yeah. that's so dope. The thing I always tell him is that I understand, and I think a lot of people understand that, like, sure, it always helps to get a shout out from a channel or a page that has a large following, but he would be where he is and he's going to continue to grow astronomically purely based off of his own talent, skill, personality. He's just a great person. Yeah, like, he's just like infectious personality, and like we, in we, the most positive way. We interviewed him um, shortly after that video came out because we were you know everyone was struggling with how to create content during this tough period that yo i can't go out and shoot etc and we're like yo create from home this is so important we uh episode uh it was episode 190 if anyone wants to go listen to it you should just definitely hear from austin because his point of view is cool and just to hear how how his come up has happened and how he strategizes creating content you know in that fashion is really dope so check out that episode um but it, it is it, it, he is a great person and i think that it's it's thinking outside of the box in that way like him, for instance, using multiple TVs to create this weird like space where you just feel like yeah. it's so dynamic and different where typically you would be like, okay, how can I do this with green screen? How can I um, use a bunch of mirrors? Like it, it, experimenting in multiple different fashions, it, it, it's pushed the limit. I think that's so dope. But uh, yo, yeah. 
Sorry, were you going to go into it? I was going to say it's funny because someone can initially inspire you and you can like almost like a tennis match where like mm-hmm. it, it, the idea just then goes back and forth. So he had the popcorn bag on some kind of stick and he was twirling it slowly to get that rotation of the bag. My interpretation of that, which I did a similar shot with a cereal box, I used a light stand so that it was actually fixed to the floor. The height was fixed. All you had to do was loosen one of the knobs and turn it slowly. Oh, right. And then he says to me, he's like, dude, that's way smarter. He's like, <laughs> he's like, why didn't I do that? I never would have thought of this if it wasn't for your idea. Right. So it's funny how ideas evolve. Like yeah. That. And you start seeing people using like drills or, or water jugs. It's like yeah. people get so creative with the ways that you, you can rig things up and, and create movement before it would have to be like this whole thing. You know what I mean? Like a massive mm-hmm. platform with like an electronic server that makes people things move in a circle smoothly or dialed. Um, now that's super cool, man. And I think what's what's dope about this, bro, is that if you listen to Justin Odisho's episode, which shout out to Justin because he was the first person we ever had in this podcast. Yeah. Me and him talked for three hours long. It was ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> Justin had you on the show, and at the time, what I thought was so cool was that um, you were you were kind of you were saying like, "Yo, I'm at fifty thousand subscribers right now, which is so cool." Like, we'll have to circle back when I hit a hundred, <laughs> and and then you blew up to like one, well over a million, one point four, whatever you're at right now. But to see that happen in such a short amount of time, I'm curious to hear about your kind of adventure into like cr- constantly creating while running a business. And mm-hmm. finding the balance to, to build your, your channel growth. Conveniently, it all goes hand in hand. I think the reason people enjoy my YouTube channel is largely because it's not just about each individual video and what technical skill you could take away from it. I think if you look at the big picture, my whole channel is a encyclopedia of Daniel Schiffer's whole progression and career. Right. Or like you can go back a year and see, wow, my videos were trash compared to now. (laughs) Back then, I wouldn't have thought they were trash, but I look back on my videos from like two weeks ago and I'm like, oh, I always look back like that thinking I'm constantly improving. And why I say that's convenient is because it's made my job easier in that I don't have to fixate on, oh, what's like the next viral tutorial? What's like the next thing that's gonna pop? Because I don't look at it that way. I look at how can I make a video that was better than what I did a week ago. Mm. And how can I share that with the world in a way that they find entertaining? And sometimes it's as simple as finding a video like Austin Paul's popcorn thing and then implementing some of his techniques into something new that I was doing for cereal on my channel. And it's like a snowball. Once it starts building up, you just can't stop it. And I never set out with the goal of, oh, I wanna get a million subscribers. To this day, even thinking about it, it's hard to (laughs) comprehend in my brain. I'll be at a skate park and I just showed up, I'm putting my bag down, getting my board and some guy comes up to me and goes, yo, Daniel, and he goes like this to give me props. And I'm like, hey man, how are you? How is everything? And in my head, I'm like, why can't I remember who this person is? Because you don't know them. And then exactly, and after 30 seconds, Finally, it's like, dude, love your videos. And I'm like, oh, right. I put videos online. Yeah, right. (laughs) Like Like, millions and millions of people are watching these videos pretty much every single day. Yeah, that's that's a super wild. What I I think is unique is that it kind of seemed like earlier on in your channel, it was kind of just like, yo, here's like tutorial work. And just you kind of were hitting whatever creatively you were into at that time and sharing that Mm -hmm. out. Um, But I, I would love to hear about more so on you finding like your lane. I feel like you really kind of dialed in the types of content that you're creating at this point versus Mm -hmm. six months or a year ago. 
Um, can you sure. talk more on that and how you've built the channel off of finding your lane? And does that lead into more production work? Because as you kind of mm-hmm. establish this creativity and that you can output, people kind of find that and want to come to you for, for work. I think on the surface level, it can seem so linear just every time I said trying to get a bit better. But there are moments of breakthrough where you take not just a little step forward, but every now and again, it's like this leap. And those leaps come from a whole bunch of different places. A big part of that leap for my channel, there's a few different leaps, but there was a video I did with the Pro Blends, which for a long time, that was my most viewed video by a landslide. Up until recently, another video passed it, but that was a piece of gear that is kind of new. It had already been around for like a year. People have seen it, but it had never been shown in a way that was like simplified. Mm. Macro Room, they were the first ones I saw to do a video with the Pro Blends. And it was this like elaborate thing with CGI where they, uh, they're they almost using it as if it was like a sniper rifle with a bullet orb thing flying out of it through VFX. Right. And people watching that video, I think a lot of people didn't understand that they're actually moving the camera through the objects. They mm. actually thought that it was shooting something out, which right. for me is hard to believe because like I understand cameras and lenses. So it's funny that people thought that, but... <laughs> When people see a video like that on Macaroom's channel, which is a fantastic video, people think that is so like out of reach, they'll never use or see something like that in their lifetime. So I think when people saw my video where I was one of the first YouTubers, as far as I know, I could be wrong, but as far as I know, I was one of the first YouTubers to really Play put the Pro Lens into random objects. Yeah. And actually show like with a 360 camera, here's the lens going into a fuzzy chair or a notebook. And I think people saw that and were like, oh, wow, this is just some dude who has this cool lens. And I could literally go to B&H and buy this right now. Right. It's it's expensive, but it's not like a phantom camera that costs uh, into the six figures. Yeah, of course. But it shows it shows people that it is possible that you could use this in your everyday tool bag to create Mm -hmm. unique like looking styles of imagery that could be sellable like a lot of brands can't no one can just walk into like if you're from a small town and you're shooting for the restaurants and you're competing against like three other production companies right just we're talking food and you're the one that lugs in that lens versus everyone else coming in with their stock lenses like you're going to create a wildly different look than what everyone else is able or capable of doing and that makes you stand out which is so that's what's cool about you making that practical for people. Exactly. And the same thing applies to all these other leaps that I'm talking about. So I feel like that was one of the first major leaps in my channel that was a catalyst for this insane growth. But there's a whole bunch of other ways that the same concept can be applied in so many different ways. A video I had earlier than that, which was my first video, I don't know if it was my first video to hit a million views, but it was certainly the first video to really take off the way it did in such a short space of time. And that was a final cut tutorial for getting the beats by Dre Powerbeats Pro stabilization effect. Mm-hmm. People would see that commercial on TV like I did. And you see LeBron James and a whole bunch of other athletes with this headphone in and it's tracked to the middle of the frame. And I'm sitting there absolutely gobsmacked. Like I, I can't believe what I'm seeing. I'm like, how did they do this? Sure enough, like it's just a plug-in where you just like put a little circle around the headphone and it does it automatically. Right. Super simple. So when I take something that people think is out of reach and not possible, and make it so simple for them to understand, 
there's another leap because that video then took off and everyone on YouTube started doing that effect. And I find for me, it's always taking something that seems complicated or that would normally look difficult and making it attainable for everybody. I love that. For the masses. That's a good mission statement for, for your channel. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, simplifying guess, yeah. this. It, that is cool. And I think that it, it's also unique in the sense of, you know, you, you're one of the first people to explain it too. So, which kind of goes hand in hand with whoever's searching this. And if tons of creators are watching that commercial blown away and they start hopping on YouTube and you may have one of the first videos, I'm wondering, is that, is that something that you have to be competitively thinking about when something like that drops? Were you just like, oh, I'm curious. Oh, I learned how I'll share this out. Or were you thinking like, yo, a lot of these tutorial channels are going to try to like share about this. I should be one of the first ones to do it so that people know. And then I, you know, crank it up in the rankings. To your latter point, I mean, my brain doesn't really work like that. I'm competitive when it comes to things like basketball or hockey or watching sports. Right. When it comes to like making tutorials, I've never been like, I want to be the first person to do a tutorial. For me, it's more like I see the commercial on TV. I'm so blown away myself. First of all, I wonder if I can achieve it. So mm. I spend a week downtown meeting up with different friends, going to the basketball court, meeting up with a couple other friends who are like doing free running and stuff. And then can I like achieve something that looks almost as good to that quality and that effect? It did. Let's do a tutorial about it. And I just threw it up there with the expectation that it would perform like any other one of my tutorials at the time, which were averaging around like 25 to 70K views or something. Right. That one shot up to like, I think like 800K in like a month. And God I was damn. just like, I was scratching my head. I was like, why this one? Like of right. all the things. That's so yeah. interesting. And did you see an influx in subscribers at that time? Certainly, because the subscriber growth is definitely correlated to your number of views, especially if you have a video that takes off. But I would say even if that video got a million views, which it did after a while, the amount of subscribers gained from that million views is nothing compared to a million views and the subscribers gained from an epic B-roll video. Which I would love to go into because yeah. you have fucking dominated that. <laughs> You've dominated this epic B-roll, showing people what's possible with the simplicity of like literally just having a camera, some lights, and an mm -hmm. object like in and even without using gimbals a lot of the times like you've really dialed that in so let's mm -hmm. go into that because i think i think there's something that you've done there that that has sure. kind of staked like the ownership of a daniel schiffer style you know well so that's the first misconception i want to kind of address with the whole epic b-roll is a funny thing because it's just a name right it, epic b-roll if i were to define it you can't because i called my pizza video epic pizza b-roll I called a video of my girlfriend making a salad. I called that epic handheld B-roll. There's a video I did at a skate shop that I called smooth B-roll transitions. But all these videos are totally different. Mm. Daniel Schiffer B-roll is not an accurate <laughs> thing. And like I, this, here's the thing. Yeah. James Matthews. Are mm. you familiar with who James Matthews yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. And I've also seen this debate. So I'm, I'm excited that you're going to go into this. Okay. Me and James Matthews, really good friends. He is one of the best human beings I've ever met. One, he's hilarious. Two, he's super talented. He made a video a few years back. I think it was called We Be Rollin', like play on words kind of. Thing. Right. And it was sort of a similar kind of thing where like he had someone filming him just doing like a bunch of handheld shots of a friend of his, I think, making something. I don't actually remember what they made, but they're making some kind of food. 
a year or some amount of time later, he did a part two. That video was the same kind of thing and it was his friend making a cocktail, some kind of drink. And there was a few little things in there that I really enjoyed watching that video that he made. I was like so captivated by what he's doing. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. One, the behind the scenes. Watching from a third person view of someone doing their thing filming a video is fascinating, especially at the time because no one was really doing that. It was mm -hmm. always like, I'm gonna sit at my desk and speak retrospectively about something I did and then add B-roll on the screen of the shots I got earlier. Right. No one at this point, except for James, in this niche, obviously behind the scenes has existed forever. I'm just saying with this specific kind of behind the scenes on YouTube, he was like the first guy to like just have a friend like with an iPhone or with another camera filming him in the kitchen, like filming these shots. Right. Now a few of the shots he got, they rolled an orange across the table. He like pulled the knife out of the drawer and had the sound effect of like, as he like pulled it out, they had the squirt bottle of olive oil like coming out of the bottle and he like followed it down. And I was like, wow, this interaction and this play between the camera and the subject is really interesting because you're not just like framing your shot and being like, okay, action and they do their thing. It's like, okay, let's time this together in sync like a skate video so that we can nail this shot in a way that we both have to be on point, Yeah, which is a really cool concept. So I was like, I wanna try something like this. Now, I've been making food videos for like a decade now. The first freelance video I ever did for a client was a cooking video. That was like 10 years ago now. I did tons of videos for a company called Suinbu that made like sushi burritos and sushi burgers in Toronto. I did tons of their food videos that they would play in store and on their Instagram. I wasn't new to filming food. B-roll was already a thing because guys like uh, Peter McKinnon, he kind of really coined that whole letterbox 120p color grade. like Super cinematic. Yeah. Right. And that was already a huge trend. So now we're seeing influences from all different places piling onto one another. And it's back to that sort of snowball thing I was talking about where you just keep adding on and it just grows. Right. So when I saw James's video, I was like, I wonder what I could do with that. So I made a video called How I Film Epic Handheld B-Roll. The video started with this video is inspired by James Matthews. He did this. It pops up on the screen, shows a clip of what he did. And then I gave him another shout out at the end of the video. And then throughout the video, I also referenced this video being like, James rolled an orange in his video, so we're gonna roll a pepper. However, the difference is when we roll this pepper, I'm actually gonna take it in post and apply that Beats by Dre tracking effect to the pepper to lock it to the middle of the frame. And we're gonna track it across like that. That's cool. And so it's taking the things he did, but building on it. And he pulled the knife out of the drawer we pulled the knife out of its knife holder. I don't know what you call that, <laughs> but <laughs> Sarah pulled works. the knife out. The shot before that was like, she took a cucumber and placed it down on the table. But instead of just like her placing it down and cutting the shot and then her pulling the knife out in the next shot, it was like cucumber down on the table, camera goes below the table, we mask transition into the next shot so it looks like one consecutive shot. Mm -hmm. I think that is where the lines get blurred between, you say there's this debate, like is it James Matthews B-roll, is it Daniel Schiffer B-roll? You could argue that it's Sam Colder B-roll. You could argue yeah, that it's Peter McKinnon B-roll. Mm -hmm. it, it's always an evolution. I took a lot of inspiration from James's video, mainly the interaction between the camera and the subject and the behind the scenes. But then I took it into my crock pot 
and made it into this interaction between the subject and the camera, but in conjunction with now all these transitions, these like seamless transitions where the skateboarding video, the grip tape's rolling across, I'm filming it rolling across as I follow it, but then once it's done rolling across, I pull away and from inside the grip tape roll, we now masked in a new shot of tracking the exacto knife cutting the plastic off the skateboard deck right something like that so it's like this evolution of these ideas yeah and i think that's what's great about inspiration like and i think that someone can look up to somebody and assume that they just came up with this out of thin air <laughs> you know what i mean but mm -hmm. everything there's so much inspiration online that we can all feed from and i think it's all based it's all based off of like how you found it you know what i mean a lot of people may say like oh, this is your style. And you're like, yo, no, it's not. Like I'm taking this from someone else. I'm adding my, my flavor to it, which is what everyone has done, you know, from the, from mm -hmm. the jump. But I think it is cool that you've, you took that and ran with the, adding this BTS element, which then just amplifies the way you teach, right? Like you're teaching mm -hmm. from a tutorial where it's just me screen capturing my computer and showing you what it looks like on here. And I'm just talking like you were saying, or you can really showcase how you, how you're cranking these out and inspire people. Cause I think mm -hmm. there's something about being able to look at, you know, for let's, let's go into your pizza videos, like to be able to see the finished product. And if you just shared the finished product on your Instagram, right? I watched that. I'm like, damn, that shit looks crazy. I wonder how he did that. How did you like that? How do you do all these? And these are all the questions I have. And you could just sit here and be like, so this is how I lit it. I had this light over here. I put this over here. I use the gel. I did this and this, but to actually see you go and physically break that down is what makes those videos explode because mm -hmm. seeing a tip, it is a tip. People are searching for that. Being able to see what kind of light you're using, being able to see what kind of camera you're using, be blown away when they realize what kind of camera you're using. You know what I mean? Like that's what mm -hmm. comes with sharing those out. So you started leaning into that. Could we talk about the piece of video? Cause that obviously yeah, shot, shot totally. through the roof. Um, like creating, adding this to the style of content that you start to release because from moving forward, did you, has almost all of your videos been like that? Like, have you always included now like a, a third person point of view of what you're doing and started to create your content around the idea of like, I'm going to create this, but I'm also going to show you how it's done. A lot of them. It could be every single one for all I know. I'm not actually sure, but the vast majority. Yeah. <laughs> definitely I, that third person behind the scenes. I imagine it adds a, a quite a bit of a more of a workload because you have to be thinking about like the teaching element while also executing for your client. Oh yeah. Um, is, yeah. That, is, that a, is that a hard balance? And also just before we get into the pizza video, does that do your clients understand what you're doing, especially if they're like local? Like if you're like, hey, look, I'm down mm -hmm. to shoot this pizza video, um, but I'm also going to be shooting a video for my channel. So this is going to take a little bit longer to do or whatever. Do, do you have to have those conversations? Yeah. So they understand that part of the reason why I can offer them these videos at heavily discounted costs is because I make sure that they've given me permission to use the footage myself for my YouTube channel and stuff because I can monetize these videos in my own way where they get the, the video, they can put it on their social media, it's great promotion for them, but now I have this footage to use for tutorials or for behind the scenes. People can go in the description and purchase things where I get a kickback, whether that's an affiliate link for a music service or if it's something like that or one of my LUTs or something. Right. You have this arrangement where they understand that in order for this to be mutually beneficial, I need your patience to let me like talk to the camera and explain what I'm doing. Right. The thing is, is that it's fun. The client enjoys it. They're like excited. They're like, yeah, let's do it. They want to be a part of it. They think it's cool because they've seen my other videos and they're like, yeah, I want to 
engage and be a part of that. And I've never really had to fight with a client or argue about getting that permission. They're always like, yeah, let's go. Well, I think people are kind of familiar with it, like an HDTV, like going and showing like a home improvement. Like we've all seen those types Mm -hmm. of videos where like today we're going to break down how to, we're going to go and redo this living room. And they start showing the process and people are kind of used to it. But I think when you're, when you're just like a small local restaurant, it may be odd for you to like understand it fully. But I think once you see what you're going to get from this, it's an easy like, mm-hmm. yep, go for it. Do whatever you need with this footage as long as I can have that thing for a thousand dollars or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> whatever exactly. it might be. That, that is that is cool. It's double ended promotion for them, right? Because they now have the video to use for their paid ads and for their feed, whatever it is they want to do with it. But now they're also getting exposure on my platforms because yeah. I'm going to dude every filmmaker who's ever seen one of my videos has probably heard of Pico Pizza. That's <laughs> me and Dave, me and my partner Dave, we were just watching it yesterday and I was like, "Damn, I want to eat that." And I'm like, "But for sure <laughs> next time I go there, I'm for going to pull up. I hope they stay open during coronavirus cuz I want to pull up that yeah. thing look amazing." Yo, so let's talk about it. So, these you've released two videos from this, right? So, like your your top 3 videos, most viewed videos on your channel, both have something to do with pizza. And it's crazy to see, you know, your demonstration in that and and showing people what's possible utilizing B-roll and being smart with the way you set up your shots and so on and so forth. So when you were creating this video, did you did you know that this would be something people were going to get hyped about when you came up with the creative or were you just so stoked about your creative that you're like, yo, it's going to be so cool to show people how it's done? Yeah, it ties into everything we were just talking about where there's this epic B-roll element of it, but there was also this pro blends element of it. I was like, I'm going to take all these techniques and smash them into one video. So I did have an idea that, and this is what I was explaining to the Pico people, I was like, I think there's a good possibility that this could do really well. Like this could get like a hundred thousand views. <laughs> and they're like, damn, that'd be crazy. I just recently did this other video that is almost at a million. You never know. This could be great. I had a feeling like it would do well just based on the recent content I'd put out and how people were responding to it. I was like, people will be stoked on this. I had no idea that it would take on the life of its own that it did with those most viewed videos you're talking about. You have to be a genius to be like, this video is going to get 10 million views and this one's going to get 6 million and it's going to be great. It's impossible <laughs> to predict that. There's no way someone's just yeah. going to know. But it, it is cool. But I think what's what's awesome is that in, when you break it down, you're talking about how this is a multi-day shoot. Like you spread mm-hmm. out your days. So can you talk about that process? Because I I, I enjoy how meticulous you are. When, you, when it comes to it, taking the time to sit down and go through playback and, and make sure the shot makes sense, make sure you hit this this exact moment and make sure it looks, and, and this goes back to skating. Like you can always parallel to that. And mm-hmm. if you're a young creator listening to this and, you, and you're into skateboarding, there's a reason why it's worth it to, if you have any interest in film, film the shit out of it because yeah. this parallels so well, but you you, sp- you sit there and try to make sure you, you and the product worked perfectly parallel together, um, which I love. Yeah. So anyway, like, multi-day shoot what what did it take for you to get it done the skateboarding example it always comes back into play because i think from so many years of filming skateboarding i got comfortable with the idea of like if we don't like a shot let's just redo it i'll redo it a hundred times to get it the way we like it Mm. someone lands a trick but their elbow was up in a weird way and they're like ah like that looked kind of awkward let's do it again i want to land it cleaner sure let's do it we filmed for like i want to say like 10 hours or something the first shoot day we were like all right it went pretty well i went home started editing the footage next day i called the guy back up i'm like let's shoot another day so we did another like 10 hour day and i ended up replacing every single shot we got on the first day with the exception of the pro blends shot for the intro and the outro where it's like there's a bunch of pizza boxes and stuff 
but everything we did in between, like all the putting the cheese on the pizza, adding the toppings and like moving it around, like all of that, we redid everything because I saw the original footage we got and I was like, the lighting is too flat. Everything, like there's nothing about this that makes you go like, wow. I was like, we need to redo this. And I think through trial and error, if you're dedicated to your craft and if you realize that each client sheet you do isn't just about getting a check, it's about adding that to your portfolio mm-hmm. and like really showing people like what you can do. If you have that mindset, you're so much better off because like the quick buck off of a video, it, like it's great, helps you pay the bills. But if you can get more work from something that you're really proud of, it's so much more rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. And how big was your crew? What did, what was your crew? Is it just you doing that video or did you have some help? So we had um, Edin, who was the guy who owns that Pico location. He was the one in the video making the pizza. There is me behind the camera getting the shots. And then my friend Dennis, who I'd actually do a lot of stuff with. He's like all over my channel. And funny enough, almost all the videos that I've done with Dennis have like slapped. Keep (laughs) keep Dennis around. Keep Dennis around. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like Dennis is the good luck charm. (laughs) He knows it too. He's like, dude, like every video I help you with is like... (laughs) the best but he was filming the behind the scenes so he was the one filming me oh cool but he's so smart and creative that i would be like trying to get an angle i'm like ah like i don't know like this isn't looking exactly like the way i wanted it he'd be like oh dude why don't you just like move the light over here and like come to this side and i was like yeah right whoa like great like great tip we were bouncing ideas off each other and he was definitely like a big part of capturing that just for that specific video he wasn't the one like with his hands like on the camera getting the shots but that's like every hollywood movie ever there's always like the collaboration cinematographer is a great director Well, well that's what brings me to the next point is that it's so interesting like through you having just its you know, a two man operation, technically, um, you allow yourself the collaboration in a smaller format, but also you give yourself the freedom to be able to burn a 10 hour day and then say, I need to reshoot this. And like out here in LA, if we go do that, you are in huge trouble because it's like, yo, you just burnt the whole budget on today and, and now you're needing to do a reshoot. I think what's cool about you being able to dial it in and having like the smaller production to make it look as massive as it is, is you have more freedom. And I've always said this, and I said this about your videos, is that this is what I admired about Macklemore um, from an early stand, uh, starting point for him when he started investing his money into his music videos he would get a local crew in Seattle and really spend a lot of time and energy shooting multiple days for music videos. And when I got out to LA and I started working on these music videos with these big ass artists, it's, yo, you have to get everything done in a 12 hour day. That's it. 12 hours. That's it. There's no reshoots. There's none of this extra stuff unless the artist needs it for whatever reason. But it's very rare that you would spend multiple days on a, on a music video. And I, I admired that because he spent this time really dialing in shots, really taking care of the product and making sure it looked the right way. And I think that's that's similar to what you do. And I think brands really will value that. You know, they they really find value in someone that would that would, like you said, doesn't just come in, swipe the check and shoot something mm-hmm. just to give them something and move on. But you really honed in it. And that's probably why that video blew up. It has to be. Mm -hmm. I think so too. And I think it it comes back to the whole thing about my objective is to offer a quality that is comparable to that of like a production team with all these fancy cameras and all these different people, grip, lighting, director, cinematographer, makeup, you know, like there's something for everything on a set. But when you're just two people making a video, you're missing all of that extra resources. So how do you make up for it? Mm. It's the time and the attention to detail. Cause like those little things, if you don't 
focus on those things. If we had, we not focused on those things. If we just settled for the footage we got on the first day, I guarantee you the footage we got, it was fine. Pico would have been happy with it, but like it right. would not have, it wouldn't have gone viral. Like and, it and, Or make you feel satisfied. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's the main thing. My goal wasn't to like, let's make a viral video. I was like, I want to make a sick pizza commercial that looks like it could be on TV or something. That was all I wanted to it do. It absolutely did, man. It absolutely, even just the final shot when you see the cheese, cause you wonder, you wonder when you see pizza commercials and how many times, how many pizzas are made during the process and all that. And you mm -hmm. see that final shot and the cheese is just like kind of oozing down. You're like, Oh my God, I need to yeah. smash that, like smash that. Yeah. But I think what's cool is it's, it's like for your teaching creators that have maybe less like the limitation, the li this is what's interesting in Hollywood uh, expenses. It's just expensive <laughs> to live here in general. So a lot of people uh, struggle with the balance of being able to spend more time on something creatively. Like in your stance, you've found a cool balance of being able to say, look, my channel can help me make extra money so I can do this at more of an affordable cost for you, which will allow me to spend more time creatively on this. And you're able to pick and choose your jobs with that, which is, is awesome that you've balanced that. But could you talk more about like creators, that have less limitations and how they can spend more time experimenting and testing ideas and pushing their, their skill set to the limit. Look, I have a great job. I love what I do. I love that I get to reach so many people, but it's very difficult to make everybody happy. And the reality is that when I'm making these videos for like thousands and thousands of people to see, everyone's situation is going to be totally different. Some people are going to have all these things readily available for them and have easy access to whatever gear and things they want. And some people won't. Some people, all they might have is the, the smartphone in their pocket and that's it. So it's tough for me to like make my videos in a way that it's gonna appeal to everyone. Well, not just appeal, but it's gonna be like realistic mm. for everybody. But what I would say to the people who don't have access to all these like crazy pieces of equipment and probe lenses and aperture lights and stuff is that I didn't have the stuff either when I started. I wasn't like super strapped. I had a camera, I had a Canon Rebel T3i and eventually I saved up for a Sony a6300. It took me a while to save up the money to get that camera and I drained my bank account to buy that camera. Yep. Like I was committed and my friend Matt who convinced me that that was the camera I should get I was talking to him after a bought I was like dude I don't know like that like $1,500 I just spent on this camera I could do so much with that he's like dude this camera will make you way more money than what you paid for it and I was like oh my god like okay and I, I remember that feeling in my stomach like I can't believe I just dropped all this money on this camera and I didn't have a light at the time I was using my mom's makeup lamp wow. <laughs> like, that's what I was lighting my videos with so no matter what your situation is, you have to make the best of what you have. You don't have a choice. Like, that's the reality. And maybe pass up the trip to Starbucks and the $4 cappuccino and save that $4. Look, I'm not like a financial advisor. I'm not like an expert when it comes to money or anything like that. But the reality is that like everyone says gear doesn't matter, gear doesn't matter. But when your skills outgrow your means, you need to figure out a way to save up and collect the means to grow with your skill mm -hmm. so it's a tough balance but man there andy too have you ever seen andy too no i think he's from new york he films incredible videos on his iphone he just uses a phone his videos are insane wow so it's doable if i was in the position where like i didn't have all this gear and stuff and lighting 
I'd be like, okay, how do I use what I have and make it look as good as I can? I would be just dialed in, watching tons of tutorials, watching everything I, I could possibly get my hands on and going out and shooting and trying to get my stuff as good as possible because it's proven. You can go online, there's some incredible stuff out there. There is, and, and that's that's the point of putting in the work and seeing the growth over time. It's like, of course, $1,500 was like outrageously expensive to you. And I remember the same time mm -hmm. buying my 7D, I was like... I can't do this, yeah. but you eventually do. And then eventually you build the budget for gear and that becomes part of your business and you learn all that stuff. There's a whole, that's a whole nother conversation is just yeah. growing a business. But I want to hear from you the importance, and I think you do this well, of shot lists. If you go to, into a shoot completely blind, you're going to spend the first hour or two at the shoot figuring out what the hell you're like supposed to be doing. That's never a good feeling to arrive on set or on location and be like scratching your head like uh okay so i guess let's start like uh it's not it's not a good look yeah so storyboarding is very popular i've done storyboards they work but oftentimes if you don't have a crew and you're a one or two man team or woman you need to have some level of preparation without constricting yourself to something so specific where if something doesn't work out, you're again going to be back to square one, scratching your heads like, okay, that didn't go out as planned. So a shot list, what it allows you to do is you can show up and just start checking things off. Like mm. I, it's like, okay, the first shot of the sequence is going to be you enter from this side and we're going to film it from this side and it's going to be great. And you do that, boom, we got a shot. Let's move on to the next. And when you accomplish your first task it gives you the motivation to accomplish the next task and so on so you can start ticking things off the list until like you just realize like you just knocked out 10 shots like you have a video right there right but that's why i do a shot list it keeps you on track it makes you somewhat prepared but it also doesn't limit you in terms of you might be at the skate shop and being like oh you know what would be cool is if i'm gonna follow you cutting the grip tape and then we're gonna use that motion as a transition to our next shot Sometimes when you storyboard, you, you can't envision that until you actually get there and start shooting. Mm -hmm. and, and you also don't want to be in a position after the fact in the cutting room and you're realizing that you don't have a shot. And, and it's a, yeah. a, a, a super important shot to have. I also love mm -hmm. my takeaway there is that in you, like you're saying, you walk in from this room, we're going to shoot it from this room and it's going to be great. I hope that everyone includes uh, self-motivating tips in their story notes. This is going to be great. Like include yeah. that in your shot list. Uh, no, I think it, it is cool. And I think that that really helps uh, cur curve the idea of what, if you at least achieve that list, whatever the, however the long, however long the list is, if you at least knock that list out, you have your bit, you have the video. Anything on top of that is a bonus. It comes up creatively. It's the freedom of you being on set and being like, oh man, this would be really cool. But I think sometimes mm -hmm. when people do show up, you realize, damn, this would have been cool to have a drone. I should have had a drone. Mm -hmm. Well, if you would have thought about this before, you would have known, pack a drone. You know what I mean? And you don't want to oh, be yeah. caught in those situations, which is important. Uh, Sorry, are we going to go in on this again? I was going to say like, exactly what you said. Like, yeah, you don't want to make a shot list either and just stop when you're on the shot list. Like, you want to build on that. That's the whole point of the shot list. Because if, if you just get the shots on the shot list, you might as well have done a storyboard. Mm -hmm. At that point, it's kind of redundant. So if you have a shot list, that gives you the freedom to do whatever you want on top of it. Right. 
And storyboards don't have to be, they don't have to be something amazing. I have, I made this video a long time ago. There's this shitty storyboard that I drew out and like stick people and it's, I'll send it to you. It's really funny, (laughs) but just, just to have an idea of like, okay, cool. At least I need to shoot this, or this is what I want framing wise. It it doesn't have to be rocket science or you need to hire some sort of amazing designer or whatever to create like, uh, whatever sketches of everything. Moving on, another thing I want to talk to you about because I, I think there's mm-hmm. so much to cover, bro. You you do everything so well. So sound <laughs> design and foley, like the yeah. way you add, and it's cool because in a lot of videos you show what it's like with just sound design and foley, and like what that can do for your your video, and and um and then add the music and so on and so forth. But what what can you say about the importance of sound design first? Mm-hmm. So think about a video, kind of like like you're really into music, right? Yeah. Imagine a band, like what, what instruments go into a band? Like what is the typical sort of band setup? Yeah, drum, guitar, keyboard, vocalist, maybe get bass, whatever. Yeah. Now imagine you just took out the drums. Right. The drums, that's the part of the song, unless you're like, it's like an acoustic version of a song. Obviously there's like situations and scenarios that differ. That works. But the drums, that tells most people like, okay, this is how I'm going to like bop my head to the beat. That's where you like kind of feel it in the drum and the bass. Like it's so important. And then mm-hmm. everything else on top of that, like just brings it all together but take out any one of those crucial elements from a band suddenly you have something that sounds hollow it feels hollow it doesn't feel complete with video it's the same thing you can look at a sequence of footage with a music track wallpapered underneath it from start to finish and it just doesn't feel like it's there once you start adding in like all the little sound effects it takes on this whole new life sound can actually enhance what you're seeing visually yeah it moves you yeah it's such an interesting thing because people think of sound as like oh you just hear sound which is true but let's say it's you're dropping pieces of mango into a bowl and i use this example because that was something we did in a video but you're dropping mango into a bowl having that sound of the mango hitting the edge of the bowl and then dropping it it's like this deep right it just adds so much versus right <laughs> just like, si- just boots got to boots got to, and you just see it yeah. drop it you don't click to that and it it kind of builds an environment for you to feel like as if you were there because mm-hmm. if you were there what would you see in here you would hear that shit exactly. hit the bowl that's true. Exactly. You did and, you did yeah. a skate video, bro, where and I thought that this was so cool because you demonstrate from your room. I thought that was the coolest part. Just from your room, like literally on your computer mm-hmm. desk, you're showing all the different ways that you build um the foley for that video. So like for that example, could you walk through like how you you know, when you're shooting the video, it's one thing and you kind of in your head when you're watching the video, are you coming up with the sounds as you go? I mean, I know how I would do it, but I'm curious to hear your approach on it. So uh, when I'm filming, I, I don't worry about sound. Uh, like I, the audio in my camera is often like turned off when mm-hmm. I'm shooting. When I'm capturing the footage, I don't have time to be worrying about all those things. I'm just focused on getting the visuals. Again, comes back to being like a one or two person crew. When I get in post and I'm watching the footage back, I, I edit it all, I add the music. The music is like the very first thing. Before I even start editing, like I put like a couple shots in the timeline, one or two shots, and I just start putting songs underneath it and I go through a whole bunch and I'm like, no, no, no. Yep. There it is. That's the song. Once I start sequencing the video, maybe I'll get halfway through. Maybe I'll be fully done. Then I go in and sound design it. And it's just a matter of going through shot by shot. And there's different types of sound design. Like there's the Foley, which is like things like happening in the shot and like the sounds associated with them to create that environment. Like you're talking about, 
then there's also like the things that can enhance hammer movements like whooshes and stuff like that but the foley it's just like going in watching the shot seeing what's happening in the shot and just building all these layers underneath and it's so satisfying to watch your footage back with sound effect even with the music turned off or you're like whoa like, yeah. this is like a totally new experience you you had like an example where the skateboard's there and you're pulling the grip tape on and you were using was it duct tape uh, you, i think you, it was a lint roller lint roller yeah you like pulled a lint roller back so you hear the stickiness yeah. ripping and and that matches so well um mm -hmm. so when you're doing it, are you just kind of like watching back in your timeline, be like, okay, you, you kind of come up with the sounds in your head. Like, what could I, what do I have here that would emulate that? Cause I, I love that you, cause mm -hmm. that for, for a while when we were kind of prepping this, I was like, I wonder if, if he's sourcing all of this or if he's doing it himself, it'd be really ill if he was doing it himself. And then we found that one video where you, you were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a combination of both. Um, I, I do often, it depends on how much time I have and like what the video is, but I do a combination of getting sounds of myself and just downloading them online. Back when I made that video, there wasn't a lot online to find. Right. But now there's like 17 companies that do sound effects. Yeah. So I have a few different subscriptions and stuff. Um, Epidemic Sound is a great one. Yep. And just downloading sound effects, like you can find anything online now. So if you have access to that, why not use it? Otherwise, you can save money and do it yourself. And I did it myself for a long time. And I still do every now and again record sounds on my own. Sometimes you just can't find like such a specific sound. So you right. just do it yourself. I once did a hockey video where the person was pushing the metal net across the ice. And I couldn't find like, like Googling like <laughs> hockey net sound. Like it doesn't exist. Like what sound does a hockey net make? Yeah. So what I did was I actually took, I don't have anything here, but like I took a metal, an empty like soda can and dragged it across a table and it made that like rattling metal sound. That's perfect. And when I put that onto the footage of the hockey net, like sliding on the ice, it matched perfectly. That's insane. So th that's kind of the process where you just kind of look around like, okay, I don't have just a spare like roll of grip tape lying around my bedroom, but I do have a lint roller because I have cats and <laughs> my yeah, shirts right. are constantly covered in fur. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it, is, it is important. And I think people don't really think that, uh, that everyday appliances can make or break a, you know, just use that to help make your video stand out. I, mm -hmm. in college, I took, I took like a really bullshit, like film program thing or whatever at my school, but it was, uh, there was one challenge they did that I really liked. It was a good practice where we had to create, uh, no video. It was creating like a 30 second experience with audio. And so you had to go out in the field and try to like track sounds and try to stitch that together to tell some sort of story. And I love that, 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 that really created an experience because how do I want to show that someone's going into a room? Well, cool. You can track feet and then you can hear a door creak open and it shuts and you hear the water turn on. You can hear the hands under the water. And you now know that this person's probably in the bathroom. You know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. adding that adds so much value because if the footage was on top of it and you heard it, that's great. Like that's what you want. And that's why we always have boom operators and people that try yeah. to track sound. But yeah, it's really impressive. Uh, I do I do think what's cool about us earlier talking about Austin Paul is like how you, in a way, pass the torch to him and we're allow, able to allow a young creative, especially a YouTuber, to kind of flourish in the platform by putting just allowing people to know about him at, at a, a bigger level, right? And I think what's cool is to have seen that same thing happen to you with Peter and how Peter McKinnon, uh, obviously an influence, and you can share more on this, but then to bring you on his channel and demonstrate the way you create videos and you guys collaborate on a video and seeing that kind of flourish. Um, could you talk about how important it is to have friends 
in the space that kind of encourage each other, but also allow each other to grow? That's a, an interesting thing because the notion of like having friends in the space for a long time, some of these people, you just see them through a computer screen and you don't actually know them personally. Right. So it's huge if you can actually know someone face to face who is interested in a similar thing that you do. My girlfriend who I live with is actually also a YouTuber. She does fashion videos. So she edits and things like that. So like we're always sharing our videos with each other and motivating each other. And that's very helpful. But specifically to like videography and creating in a weird way, it's almost kind of like sports. Um, I'm a huge like hockey and basketball fan. And sometimes I'll really like an athlete, like a hockey player or something. But then I'll hear a story about them where like, it's like, oh, like they aren't like a good guy or something. And it's like, it ruins your like sort of image of them. But with everyone like I've met through like YouTube and stuff like Austin and like Peter, the thing that is so cool is that these guys are such like real people. Like that's like the awesome thing about YouTube is that like, they're just so cool. Like Mm -hmm. I really liked Peter's videos and I was really inspired by him, not just because of his talent and like, like his videos like that that was all like great but i just saw a person who i was like wow like i'd love to to just be friends with that guy like he's super like relatable and like i always found that aspect of it cool and that's why like i'll gravitate towards certain people and it's the same thing i always said to justin od show and i think he said he was your first podcast guest yeah yeah first one he was the first podcast i'd ever been on it's a funny coincidence but what i always said to him was that i watched his videos but I wasn't like he was very like Adobe tutorials like After Effects Premiere I I use Final Cut like Mm -hmm. I wasn't even watching his videos necessarily to like learn specific things in Adobe even though that's what he was doing I really gravitated towards his method of teaching and like just the way he kind of looked at things and when he would get more off topic like in his live streams and stuff I was just like damn, like I could be friends with this guy for sure. And sure enough, we became friends and like he's been a huge influence on me in this whole journey. And that's like a whole other thing in and of itself. He gave me incredible advice near the beginning to exactly what you're saying. Like that's so huge. If you find yourself gravitating towards people, not just for like their skills and things like that, but because of the kind of people they are, that is going to be the most beneficial thing. Yeah. I mean, you open yourself up. Yeah. You open up yourself to each other and you're able to share what you're learning. You know what I mean? Like to be able to, Mm -hmm. like you said with Austin, it's, it's not like because he had millions of followers is the reason why you mess with them. It was just the idea of like, yo, you're doing cool content. You're making cool content and you're, you're really sharing like what it's like to be creative at home or, or try new things. And that's inspiring me. And I think that that's, the power of collaboration is you share these tools with each other and you, you vibe with each other, which is really Mm -hmm. unique. And the relatability is huge too. Like when I stumbled across his video, it was like, he's filming this commercial and there's his girlfriend with the popcorn bags and like helping him. I'm like, dude, this is like me and my girlfriend, like (laughs) filming it. It's so funny how you see like your situation having such a parallel to someone else's. Right. And that's another one of those things that makes you gravitate to someone. Everyone I've met through YouTube so far, has just been like, I've been blown away at like how nice everyone is and how like open and like willing to like share their experience. Like no one's like competitive. Everyone just wants to like help each other navigate this like crazy space. And I think it's a great thing, it, honestly. It is. And, that, and that's why I want to give back to people through my tutorials, but also Austin Paul, like I said, he'd be successful no matter what. Like he doesn't need me by any means, but 
if I can like do like any little thing to help someone like that, who's like doing genuine great work and like loves to help others, then like I'm all for it. Yeah. I love that. And that's, that's what's cool is, is getting, you know, for so many people, like I said, like someone, you may be doing similar content to like a Peter, right? You guys may be making similar type content or in the same vein, but like someone may just not have found your channel yet. They just might not have been put on. And then for him to go and share that to however many people are watching those videos and they'll be like, oh, yo, this person's dope. And then they start going down the rabbit hole and they just start getting super inspired because you've got a catalog of just inspiring content, you know, that's going to educate. I think that's a really unique thing. And also y'all are Canadian or whatever. So there's the brotherhood (laughs) there. (laughs) Which Yeah, it's funny that, eh? Like everyone in... uh in and around like the Toronto area is like YouTube. Yeah. You guys kind of got a thing going. I know Uh, that is really funny. It's a with, with for you right now, um, getting into like the whole creative production company space. I mean, you probably, it's been a part of your thing since the jump, but it's, are, are you pushing more into that? I know you're shooting for like, is every job you do, does it have to be a YouTube video or are you experimenting with like directing content for other brands that might not even ever show up on your channel. Like, what do people mm-hmm. not know about what you do outside of creating the videos that are on YouTube? I do create content that people will never see on like my YouTube or Instagram. There's tons of videos I've done that I just can't share because I either don't have the license or it could just be something I shot where it's like, I just don't think it would be particularly interesting to my audience Mm. or something like that. Like I used to edit a lot of like infomercial content that was hugely valuable, like editing experience for me. But these were never things like I was going to like show on my YouTube channel because like it's very generic. Yo, new, new infomercial. Everyone check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. But, uh, Yeah, at this point, it's a balance of I'm not like super strict with anything. Like the thing I've always like sort of explained whenever uh, I've talked to anyone about this is that like I'm not closing any doors or like being like, no, I'm only doing this. Like it's only going to be this one thing and like whatever like lands on my plate, I'll consider it. If I get tons of emails, obviously now because my videos on YouTube are so popular and like I'm not trying to flex. It's just a fact. Yeah, it's It's just like what you have these (laughs) videos going viral. Suddenly everyone on every continent is sending me emails being like, hey, can you fly out to like Germany to film a commercial? And I'm like, damn, like that sounds sick. But like, that's like a lot of like time and effort. And like, if I do that, if I get on a plane and go to Germany for like a couple weeks to like make something like that means like I I probably won't have the time to like do my YouTube stuff. Mm. So Things like that, unless they're offering like some crazy budget that is hard to refuse, I'm probably going to turn it down and stick to things that are more local. I try my best to take on things that I can also share on YouTube, but a lot of the time it's just not possible. But I never want to get too far away from like the production side of things because I genuinely enjoy that part. And I think without that part, my YouTube channel wouldn't exist. Mm, Yeah. I mean, that's like kind of what it surrounds itself with is just Mm -hmm. you creating content as an every, I mean, you're doing, when you work with a local restaurant or a local skate shop or whatever it may be, you're doing what like I was doing in Iowa. Like if I'm not in, if you take yourself out of the production world in Chicago, all the main cities that like people go to for this type of stuff, and you're just like an everyday creator that's just coming up in your city, like you're showing on a high level what can be done in that area that can really make you stand out, you know what I mean? And get paid for that work, which is so cool to me, but that's, mm-hmm. I, I hear what you're saying. I, I am curious on like, what are your goals moving forward? Especially like 
you know, it is crazy to hear that last interview with Odisho. We're done talking about the man, all right? We're done talking about you, Justin. <laughs> go watch <laughs> go watch the interview with Daniel on there. Uh, but but from that point, 50K subs or whatever, to the massive growth mm-hmm. that you've had now, and, and it's going to continue to grow, what are your goals and aspirations um, for yourself as a YouTuber in that sense of mm-hmm. teach, teaching, but also as a freelance creator? Yeah, so I'll echo something similar that I said in my like million subscriber video where I talked about it. The goal for me was never to... Uh, gather subscribers and views that I don't care about that stuff. It's cool. It's like, there are people who do care about that stuff and that's totally fine. Like I don't judge, like if that's your goal, by all, like if you're Mr. Beast and you're like, I want to get like 36 million views on this next video, like dude, go for it. Like I'm all about people doing their thing. But for me, what makes me kind of tick, like what I like is creating good work and getting better. So when you ask what's next for me, I'm just trying to outdo myself. That's all it is. Like, I just want to keep making my videos better. I want to make my next commercial better than the last one I did and just keep going and keep going. There's no worse feeling for me than creating something that feels like a step backwards. Making a video that feels worse than something I did previously. I don't get too down on it, but I just look ahead and I'm just like, the next video I do, I just want to make it even better. And that's not even taking YouTube into the equation. If my channel was deleted tomorrow, I would still have the same mindset. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to make my next video better. And yeah, to be able to then take that next video, put it on my YouTube channel and like share helpful information with tons of people, like that's super rewarding too. And like, I love it. And someone left a comment actually on that million subscriber video being like, and I don't want to put words in their mouth, I'm just paraphrasing something along the lines of I shouldn't like undersell or understate how impactful or how important what I do on YouTube is. And by me saying like, oh, I want to do real work for real brands, that's actually putting myself down and what I do on YouTube down. Mm. But I never intend it to be that way. And it is important to me to like have an impact on people. That makes it extremely um, fulfilling to like see the comments and everything. And like, I love interacting with people who watch my videos. I love watching their videos and commenting on them. I make sure to take time every single day to go on YouTube and comment on videos and acknowledge the people that are putting the things I teach into practice. Mm. And that's important to me. But in terms of like my life and career goals, it's not to be a YouTube celebrity. (laughs) It really isn't. I want to be the best possible filmmaker, videographer, production company that I could possibly be. I want to see like how good I can get. It's like my mission. Yeah, man. You know I, I, mean? I think you're well on your way. You've set a, a <laughs> solid standard for, for what you have to do next week. You know what I mean? Like you're, you've put the bar there. So it's cool to see you keep raising that. And, and I applaud you for the work, man. You, you crush it every day. So it's cool to see you inspire people. And obviously I appreciate that. that's our goal is to like you, what you're doing. I think a lot of creatives don't do it. They, they get access to cool things. They do amazing work. They never talk about how, how it came to be. Therefore, mm-hmm. there's a creative that's watched it, that's inspired, that has questions, that can never reach out for whatever reason and so on and so forth, that will never know how to do that and then they'll move on. And I think that when creators step back and give give a shout out to to whatever, their, their fans or whatever you want to call it, people that are paying attention and open up those doors so they can get their muscles working, it's like, 
I mean, that's why we started Black Widow Cream. It's just like, how can we give back? Like, I think that's so mm-hmm. important in this whole process, which is cool. But uh, yeah, you're well on your way, man. Well, that's exactly like why I wanted to come on the podcast is because it's another opportunity for me to like share like my experience and the things I've learned to hopefully help someone out there. And I know that <laughs> you love to gas me up and say like, I'm well on my way and like my videos are sick and everything. But I think an important aspect to any creative person is sure it's it's good to have confidence and to believe in yourself and to think your work is good but it is even more important to recognize that there's always room for improvement i look at every video i make and be like i, I could list a thousand things i could have done better mm-hmm. that i should have done better and don't let that paralyze you and stop you from creating but always keep that in your back pocket for your next uh video that you work on just recognize that like there's always room for growth. I don't want to just like make a, like a, a video of pizza and be like, every video from now on is going to be exactly like this. Right. No, like I want to take it to the next level, the next level. I've recently been trying to teach myself how to animate. The only problem is like, I suck at drawing. <laughs> so I've been like, dude, I've been like, actually, I'm not going to show you some weird things on there, but I have a piece of paper I've been like doodling on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> trying like, to figure I, it I'm out. I'm just like sitting like in my spare time, like practicing doodling, trying to like draw things. Cause like, I hope that I can start integration like actual draw drawing animations like into my videos. That's, that's really like, cool. Uh, it's a work in progress, but hopefully someday soon. Yeah, that's amazing. And yeah, I, n- I never like look at my own videos and think, like, damn, like I'm good. Like I don't, I don't. Do you no, know, like do you, you said, you said you know like I mean? two weeks, you, you work, you move past something. And as soon as it's two weeks old, you're looking at like, shit, I could have done that this way. And it would have been three times better. Yeah. Every video is mm. trash of mine. Like every time I look back <laughs> at my videos, I'm like, that, I mean, it's cool. It's cool for at the time and where you're at. I think this is the hardest part of reflecting on work is that when people reflect on their work, they look at it and like, oh, I could have made that so much better. Yeah, of course you can because you've had a year since that happened where you've learned a year's worth of time on anything and knowledge. Like you've been able to absorb so much more. So mm-hmm. when you put work out, you have to be proud of where it was and where you were at creatively. And then and then you move past it. And like you said, every project should be better. So you're able to see that growth. I don't think we'll ever hit our goal. I don't think there's even a goal. I think it's just always to like level up and become the best version of you and, and what you can output and just keep it moving. Yeah. You know? There's no finish line. No, it's just <laughs> a, it's a never ending marathon. Like it's, yeah, it's a, it's a fulfilling battle. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yo, I, I know you have to run to a dinner. I don't want to keep you too late. I feel like we, this was a great conversation, dude. I really appreciate you hopping on here. Yeah, man, I, I'm stoked. I, I really hope I didn't say anything stupid. <laughs> no, I think this was A1 and, and, and people are going to enjoy it. But um, yo, so before we wrap this up, this is what I do. I tell everyone to go to your Instagram at Daniel Schiffer, whatever your most recent post is, they're going to comment under it and they're going to put this hashtag that you're about to pick. You're going to pick any hashtag you want so that we both know that they finished the whole episode. Like they're listening right now and they're going to get on their Instagram right now and they're going to go to post this and they're going to tag me at Ben Rovers world. And then we both know that they got that the whole episode out of the way because they're a real one. Cool. What do you want it to be? Oh my God. Uh, that's a lot of pressure. I didn't think about this. Um, Oh my God. I'm trying to think of something funny, but <laughs> this is uh, every person that's ever been on the show. Oh man. I, I, I'm really overthinking this. Let's do uh, that. Has anyone done the keep creating what you have on your wall there? Mm, I think so. Damn it. Okay. So I'm not original. Let's try. Yeah, uh, yeah go out, out there. Okay. How about, do you know the Yankee with no brim meme? No. You haven't seen that? Oh my god! I'm, I've been getting because I I wear Yankees hats quite often yeah. on my channel, like you're wearing right now. Yeah, right. And everyone's commenting like Yankee with a brim. What is <laughs> that? Yeah. 
Okay. It's a funny meme. All right, Yankee with no brim, is it? Yeah. I'm going to go find them. I'll put the meme in the show notes. <laughs> Yo, I appreciate you, man. You're a talented kid. I, I, I'm excited to keep watching your growth, and I appreciate you for getting on the show, bro. I appreciate you too, man. This has been fun. Let's do it again sometime. Yo, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. If you want to connect with other like-minded creatives, share your work, get feedback, ask questions, find job opportunities, and so much more, join our free private community at bwnc.com join. We would love to have you. Next up on the podcast, we have a solid morning roast episode. We will be discussing why saying yes to every job is the key to creative freedom. This mindset has been a major factor in my success as a creative, so I'm excited for you to check it out. Lastly, I just want to give a big shout out to you for supporting the show, whether you've shared the episode out with other creative homies, you've left us a review, copped some merch, or engaged with us on social media. We appreciate you. And speaking of reviews, my goal is to get us to 500 reviews on Apple Podcasts within the next five weeks. We're currently at 228, so please stop what you're doing and go and drop us a review right now. Each week, I'm going to show some love to the person with the best review. And right now, I want to shout out Resolute for your review. We appreciate you dropping such kind words. Please DM us on Instagram so we can send you a free How to Charge a Client Guide and a $100 gift card to Amazon. These reviews help other creators learn what our podcast is all about. So thank you for showing some love and helping us hit our goal of 500 reviews. All right. Enjoy the work week. Keep creating. And I'll see you next week.